Calgary football fans. This is your quarterback, the Bo Show with Bo Levi Mitchell on Sportsnet 960. Brought to you by SML Entertainment. The Bo Show for SML Entertainment. Pool tables, hot tubs, patio furniture, and much, much more. With four locations in Calgary, Cross Iron Mills, and Red Deer. Go to smlentertainment.com for details. All right. Well, the country music is uh, is perfect because today is the Mark Sutherland Poker Tournament. Oh, yeah. I've got, got my championship belt on here. 2015. Got the belt buckle going. Hopefully, we can win another one today. Um, yeah, I think Alex, Spencer, Quinn, there's a couple guys playing today, but yeah, he always puts on. Have y'all ever been to that? No, I've, I've heard, I've, like, I've heard it's outstanding. We had him on, could we do a chuck wagon report during the summertime, so we had Mark on during the stampede, and I asked him about it right at the end, and he talked about how it's grown and how it's turned into a pretty cool yearly event, so, yeah, uh, yeah I've heard it's good. I've heard, it's, it's, it's always awesome because he's got like he's got Stampede, he's got a couple flames, but he's always got a lot of the chuck wagon guys yeah. there. So guys that I don't know, but it's kind of cool to see like you see their superstar status when they stand up, and everybody Calgary wise knows them. Uh, so yeah, I mean it's a fun tournament. Looking forward to that one. So that one's at like 4:30, so right when we leave here, uh, let's talk some CFL. We'll talk a little bit of NFL as well, and then we'll jump out to fantasy. Um, but we'll talk some regular NFL because I'm I'm looking at standings wise and. Some some surprise things going on here, so we'll jump into that after we hit CFL. But uh, right now, you got Ottawa leading the East, uh, eight and five. You got us leading over in the West, eleven and two. Uh, both played thirteen games. Um, man, coming down to the stretch right here, because we got we got uh, let's see, you got five teams that have four games left, and you got four teams that have five games left. Um, so just kind of right here through the thick of it, and. I mean, it's kind of shaping out. I know everybody kind of talks about the percentages of what could happen if this team wins out or this team wins out. But um, realistically, I mean, we've got a two-gap game. We've got two-gap with the game in hand on SAS, and they've got a two-gap. They've got a two-game on Winnipeg and Edmonton and BC, all trying to make a run for that second-place, third-place crossover spot. And it looks to me, I mean, it looks like a crossover is pretty imminent here. You know, Toronto, Toronto and Montreal, both three wins on the season. So it looks like a crossover is happening. Um in y'all's mind, how do y'all see that playing out right there? Who's who's staying in the West and who's crossing over and who's going to be the the odd one out? You got you got Sask at nine and five. You got Winnipeg and Edmonton at seven and seven. Um, and Winnipeg just beat Edmonton. That's yeah, a big win then, there. Yeah, Holy. and then you've got BC at the bottom at six and seven. So they've got a game in hand on both those two. Um, but you know they they go out and beat Hamilton and then they come out and get Molly Watt by him. So. <laughs> I've got – I still think BC's the odd team out. I do – I, without Lule, I just don't trust Jonathan Jennings as a consistent quarterback. Like, he was unreal in that game against Hamilton at BC Place and, and vintage Jennings as they came back and won that game and then was completely off his game in the return match this weekend. Two pick sixes, and it just wasn't close, right? So I, I just don't have faith in a consistent BC Lions attack. They don't have Manny Arsenal for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. I just they, – they worry me. Um, but then it's pretty clear Saskatchewan's going to host the, the West Semi, and then it comes down to Winnipeg and Edmonton. And if you're to ask me which of those teams I have more – more faith in 
it's tough, but I think I lean still towards the Eskimos because I do think at some point, even though they've lost four of their last five and they haven't scored more than 24 in those four losses, I still think that offense, when it starts to get some, some of those names back, some of those bodies back, I still think that offense is good enough for them to finish ahead of Winnipeg. So I'll, I've got Winnipeg crossing over right now and Sask and Edmonton playing in the West semifinal game. I'd rather go through the East, guys. <laughs> I don't think anyone's throwing games, but yeah, like, geez. It still you wanna, never happened. No, Edmonton was there last yeah. year. I thought for sure watching last it year, I was like, like Edmonton's going to make their way through. That's a good the, – the problem is Hamilton and Ottawa are good football teams this year. Like, I know yeah. Hamilton sitting at 7-7 seven and seven doesn't strike a lot of fear. I think Hamilton can beat Winnipeg or Edmonton where, easy, where and so would, can Ottawa. Where would you rather play, at uh, New Mosaic or at Tim Hortons? Like – I'm sorry. Yeah. It's it's night and day, is it not? The, the, what you're up against as a road team? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't believe in the whole... You're not tanking here, obviously. The, yeah, I just don't believe in the whole that nobody's ever made it going through that way. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I understand that, but you can't... I mean, I, I'm sorry, I said Edmonton. Correct myself. It, it was, was Sask, Sask last Sask year, last Edmonton year. the year before. And Sask almost did it. Sask almost... Because if it wasn't for Ricky Ray's last drive, a huge play to James Wilder and a touchdown yep. on the final drive, Sask would have done it because Brandon Bridge came off the bench and brought them all the way back, and they led right. late in the fourth quarter. And now with the way that Zach is playing, if you – let's move it up a year. Zach, that Zach playing quarterback against that team last year. You know, they're probably going – they're probably going to the Grey Cup. You know yep. what I mean? I just I, – I don't – I don't believe in the whole myth of it. It's, just, it's never happened. It won't happen. I mean, at some point, it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree um, with that. Yeah. You I know, just don't know if this year sets up to be that way because I, I think that both Hamilton and Ottawa are yeah. comparable to the other teams in the West Division. I think Ottawa is as good a team as Saskatchewan is right now or at the very least comparable. I think that they are a better all-around team than both Edmonton and Winnipeg. So I don't like having to go to – look, I don't want to go to Ottawa in the playoffs either. The Red Blacks are the, the other hostile environment that you don't want to go to right now. I think you've got Calgary and Saskatchewan as places you don't want to go because you guys never lose at home, and we all know about Sask. And I don't think you want to travel to Ottawa. That's a, that's a tough place to play. They're good at home, and they're a good football team. So this is not the year I would be desiring to cross over. Not like last year where I thought it was far more um, – it was it was a far easier and discernible split. Yeah, Saskatchewan 31-20 winners in Ottawa and then lose 25-21 in what would have been the first time ever. And as you guys noted, like a play or two at the end away yeah, from yeah. it. So. And it was a wheel route to a running back. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah, the Wilder, like, yeah. the most unbelievable play call, and he he made that he made that look easy. But who would have thought that would have been the play that saved Toronto's season and got him to the Great Cup game, right? Yeah. Um, what are right. your thoughts? Do, is Man, there a team that you would, think when you look at their schedule is more likely to end up uh, in Regina than they are to cross over? So I mean, I, I, listen, I I know we play we play SAS one more time, we play Winnipeg one more time, we play BC two more times. So everything goes perfectly, and let's say we win every one of those games. Um, that puts, BC, that puts BC, BC in the biggest hole, right? But the thing is, we play in the last game of the season. Mm-hmm. And we haven't farewelled in that last game of the season for the last couple of years because um, we've clinched and we've set some guys down and, and we haven't finished it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man, I don't know. I, I, I try to look at who out of those three – Winnipeg, Edmonton, BC. Who do I see crossing over and beating Hamilton and then beating Ottawa? And I mean, it's tough. 
to, to me, Hamilton's that team. Hamilton is sass to me last year. You know, they're very, very dangerous. Um, Defensive-wise, they're very good. They're very sound. And offensive-wise, if they're on, they're very on. And if they're not, they're not. Yeah. You know, so if, if they're on, you're, you're not going to beat them. Um, if they're not, it's going to be a much closer game. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't. Well, the I, thing is, that's not even set that it's going to be Hamilton first, then Ottawa. Because right. the Ticats and Red Blacks play a home-and-home home set in Week 19 and 20. So they go, they go home-and-home, oh, wow. and, and there's still a chance that if because Hamilton wins over BC, they're on a bye. If Ottawa all of a sudden loses their game, then it's really close. But even if Ottawa takes care of business coming off their bye this week, then you're looking at a situation where those two teams meet Week 19, Week, ni- week 19, Week 20, and we could be talking about that division still being very much up for grabs. So Ottawa's got certainly the leg up. They're certainly in the driver's seat, but that's not even decided at this yeah point. not decided at all i'm just I'm, I'm just going based off like if playoffs were today you've got winnipeg at sash you've got edmonton crossing it over in bc as the odd man out i just i don't see i don't know man Dude, what, what why edmonton struggled against hamilton yeah so mid-season correct me if i'm wrong they probably look like the second best team in the west eskimos yeah 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 Winnipeg had just started to hit the skids. Saskatchewan, you'd seen the defensive side of the game look strong, but the offense hadn't come around yet. They still had Jerron Carter playing the wrong side of football. Yeah. Maybe they didn't. I don't know. Um, do they not look like a team where if they can click on all cylinders offensively that they could win a track meet against all those teams in the East, or are they just missing parts? Why, why can't you see them regaining that midseason form? I mean, I do. I do think they can. I, I think that last game really spoke to me. You know, I against Winnipeg. I, I, I know one saw that happening. I can see them losing. I understand why well, anybody can lose anybody. We can lose to Montreal this week. Um, we have four. we have plenty Last of times. Two years. Yeah, <laughs> we have plenty of times. And uh, I think it, the the surprising thing to me was just seeing only three points. I think that's what got me. I I just didn't understand it. Um, you know, I expected a pretty close game, and if Winnipeg's hitting their trick shots and their their big plays, and Harris is running the ball well then they're, they're hard to keep up with. Um, and if they turn the ball over on defense, which they do a lot, Winnipeg's very hard to beat. Uh, so if they come back into that form and continue that, that's why I guess I was surprised. I, I didn't even know the stat you said, the last four out of five games. I didn't know that about Edmonton. Yeah, they have ne- they have not scored. They, they have their one win was it's when they put up forty eight in the Labor Day rematch. Otherwise, they've put up twenty four or less in their last four games, and yeah. they've all been losses. And I think I think I honestly think the loss of Darrell Walker changes that team in a big way. You know, they don't. Not a lot of teams are able to. I think that Ottawa's got it. I think Calgary's got it. Um, and I think we've seen it at times with BC that you're able to lose a big receiver and still be able to have weapons. When you lose Darrell Walker and you've got that one-two punch they've relied on for so long, it's either been Bowman and Walker or last year it was Zilstra and, mm-hmm. and Walker and then this year it's it's Walker and Duke. You lose Darrell Walker from that mix. You know, I like Kenny Shaw and I like Fidel Hazelton and I like but they just don't have the same feel and and I think it's done a huge number on them offensively and CJ Gable's not running the ball anywhere near as well as he did last year so the Eskimos just don't look like as well-rounded it's kind of Mike Riley and Duke Williams and that's it I just don't love the overall arsenal that they have right now whereas I look at some of the other teams even even I look at the way that Saskatchewan's group of receivers is starting to, to diversify a little bit I like some of the the mixes of receivers a little bit more than I like in Edmonton right now yeah. so they're having trouble on the offensive yeah. side of the I just don't know if they're spreading the ball around enough you know it's, it almost feels like an Atlanta kind of thing it's it's Julio 
and then if not, is find somebody else. And you know, last week Atlanta obviously looked good, um, and still didn't get the win. But yeah. but he started finding other receivers, and that's what made their offense good. Um, they will, you know, Mike will find a way, and he'll get those guys going. But I like I like the Mitchell kid, um, Brian Mitchell in Edmonton. Brian, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, in Edmonton. Yeah, he's he's good. I mean, I, I watched him play. I think he's I think he's a pretty solid guy, and I think that's gonna up up his targets a little bit more. Um, scary if Duke doesn't play though. You know that's the thing. It sounds if, like he's going to play. Just came down today. It sounds like Duke will play against the Riders this week. So yeah. that's obviously huge because you that, lose him. Well, it's huge, but at the same time, with playoffs coming, is you saw that hit on the shoulder. It wasn't like an awkward spot. Like it was just a hard hit to the shoulder. It looks like any time he gets hit in the shoulder, that's the way he's going to react. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's uh that's obviously not good for a guy that's got to go across the middle and put his put his arms up in the air a lot. Um, yeah, man, we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to do our part to make sure we make it as tough on everybody as possible. But uh, definitely looking forward to these last couple games. Uh, yeah, text in, call in, let us know if you have any questions, CFL. We can answer them. I can answer anything you want about any team. Um, prefer to stick to our team, the guys that I know. But if I you have, have any questions. questions. I got a question for you and your team. Yeah? How the heck have you lost your last two trips to Montreal? Because I got some ideas, but they're just ideas. I wasn't there. Um. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't there either. Uh, <laughs> for both of them? No, I mean I, I was, I was in the hotel room. Okay. Getting ready for the game. All right. <laughs> I don't know, man. Honestly, I, I feel like we've gotten, uh, we've gotten that part of our locker room out of our locker room. You know, over the last couple of years. Uh, I honestly don't know if the, if the guys have gone out and done things. I mean, I trust them not to. I think they're professionals. You know, if if you typically go out and have a drink night before the game and do it. You know, I want you to stick to your routine, stick with what you, what you have you have to do. But as long as you're locked and loaded and ready to go, um, I mean, the the trip out to Montreal is tough. You know, it really is. Uh, this year we're trying to take advantage of it. We're going out an extra day early, so um, I know Dave's going to say the same thing. Go out and have your fun. You know, night one, night two, get in early and, and make sure you're ready to go. So. Monday kickoff doesn't hurt on that front. Yeah, <laughs> trust me, I don't understand how we've gone out there and lost the last two. Are times. you uh, Are you excited uh, to go head to head with uh, with Johnny Manziel for the first time? I am. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. Because he looked good. I mean, they they he still did, haven't man. opened up the playbook a lot for him. They're not they're not really letting him let loose yet. He still only threw sixteen passes, but he looked the best that he's looked so far. And he and he made those Johnny type plays. Yeah, the ones that I don't like. In the beginning of the season, we were talking. And I was like, man, those I need to see those still. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to see this guy dinking and dunking. Like, I want to see Johnny Manziel of old. And uh, you saw some of that, man. That that one where the guy's coming free and he does two different moves, jumps inside, and you know throws. And I know the receiver was wide open, but still, just to make that guy miss, get the ball out of your hands, yeah. it's impressive. And the the run too. That I know they called it short, but. It's impressive that he does that. Hopefully, he just doesn't have too many of those where you know he's getting knocked out like he did in Ottawa. Um, but yeah, man, I'm excited. I know our defense is excited too. I know they get asked a lot of questions about it. Here's my thing. All right, <laughs> and I understand he's a big name. I get it. But that game happens. Sass wins, and Zach, who has been struggling as of late, he's a he's a perennial guy out here. Um, those were 400 yards. And I watched the highlights, and there's not one throw of his on that entire. It was highlight. all. It was all Johnny. It was four or five plays that Johnny made, and, and how they lost the game, and they went to Johnny's interview. It's just crazy to me. He's a big name. Like they, they love him. <laughs> like they when the, I think at the beginning of the year, sort of jump on you, Patty. Like the other network has this league, and the other network is going to do anything it can to keep headlines getting clicks, and videos getting views, and people coming to their website, and people watching the games. Yeah. 
you tell me how many people are going to be like, damn, i got to see that next Zach Caleros game when it's on TV. No, but you know what I mean? Like, so you're right. When you show the highlights, you're, you're 100% right. at least still show I'm, some other highlights. What I'm telling you is that they're trying to grow the product, not play to the people they already have attached. Yeah. And you're right. It's That's not an accurate depiction of the game. Guys, for 400 yards. You don't is see that, that how you grow a product? That's highlight the guys that are balling out in this league right now to show people when they watch the highlights, like, damn, that was a damn good throw. Who is that kid? And they start looking him up. Like, oh, Zach Claros. Yeah, but people in oh, Canada know who guy. that is. Everyone knows who Zach Claros is. I mean, if you're if you're a CFL fan and you're watching a broadcast or a highlight show, you absolutely know who he is. What they're they're trying to capitalize on are the people that don't know anything about the CFL that don't care that Zach Claros threw forty yards, but they've heard the name Johnny Manziel before. Yeah. It's not right, but you can understand when they're looking at the bottom line why they do things. Well, like and the that. league, the league's invested in Johnny Manziel because they don't know how long he's going to be here for. They don't know if he's going to be here contract, next, yeah. and he might not even fulfill that. And so, if you're the league, you're like, okay, well, we got to make hay when we've got the opportunity. So they're getting all kinds of play and all kinds of publicity they usually don't on Fox Sports One and ESPN, and you know, I've seen Chris Carter down there talking on. Their, their morning show about it. He's like, yeah, you know what? My son plays up there, and Johnny Menzel. Like, all of a sudden, you're seeing highlights on U.S. highlight shows that you don't usually see. So I think the CFL is trying to capitalize on it, too. I'm not saying it's, it's not right, fair. but yeah. that's, oh, that's, yeah. that's the play that they're looking at right oh, now. Oh, no, trust me. I'm not, I'm not naive. I understand why they're doing it. Yeah. It's... But I'm just saying, sprinkle in some highlights. <laughs> Like I, it's just one of my biggest pet peeves of watching highlights of a game. I want to get a gist of what happened in that game. Right. Just wait till. Uh, oh yeah. Next. Just Monday wait. Night. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure there's zero highlights that you can watch of his. <laughs> you'll 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 win by two possessions. We won't see sure, one Bo Levi pass. I'm gonna make sure that we, whatever receivers lined up with us, we're gonna go out there and ball out and put out enough highlights. They they don't. All right. They don't you have got, a chance, you just gotta so. run the ball like like, like Johnny Manziel does. Then you'll get on. I did the first play of the game. I know. And then I was like, no more. <laughs> o line coach walked over like, you're gonna run the ball today? And I was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk uh, talk a little NFL, some things that are going on just in the league that are surprising me a little bit. Uh, and I want to get these guys' reaction as well. Uh, again, text in, call in, fancy questions. We'll talk over fancy here in the third segment as well. Uh, you're listening to The Bo Show on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. This is The Bo Show. Hell yeah, yeah. On Sportsnet 960 The Fan. The Bow Show for SML Entertainment. Pool tables, hot tubs, patio furniture, and much, much more. With four locations in Calgary, Cross Iron Mills, and Red Deer. Go to smlentertainment.com for details. All right, welcome back. So I want to get into some NFL surprising things to me. Um, mainly kind of standing-wise, just kind of what you guys think about the teams. LA Rams, Kansas City 4-0, not really surprising to anybody. Um, but here's some surprise first-place teams in in the division. These are all kind of jumped out to me. NFC South, New Orleans is winning. New Orleans is pretty typically bad in the beginning of the season. So to see these guys winning the NFC South right now, um, you know, with Carolina and Atlanta in there, never saw that one coming. Okay. NFC North, Chicago. Yeah, that's that oh. is one of the more surprising three and one teams to start the year. Now, if you knew that Khalil Mack was arriving, they already had a pretty good D. Yes, yeah. you could say, okay, maybe they can hang in. But they just put up forty five points 
in week number four. Like they, I did not see that coming to see six one of those touchdown passes from Mr. Biscuit. Yeah, did Finally. not see that coming. I feel like by six any of stretch. His career total coming in for some reason. Like, <laughs> holy, that's a that's a performance. The surprise of the year so far, AFC East. Miami's winning that. I don't know how much longer that's going to stay no, after what much. we just saw. Um, but as of right now, they can always go back and say that at one point they were winning the division. Uh, AFC South, Tennessee, up there. Tie with uh, obviously nobody was surprised by Jacksonville, but I, I was surprised by Tennessee being three and one uh, in that division. But um, and they just beat the defending champs in a pretty ballsy overtime too. That was yeah, and they beat Jacksonville. They beat Jacksonville nine to too. six. But they held Jacksonville to two field goals. Yeah, I mean Jacksonville held, held in the three field goals. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That is not a CFL score, that 9-6 one there. Yeah. And then uh, NFC East, Washington leading it right now at 2-1. and one. Coming off a bye. The one yeah. team you didn't – the one division you didn't mention, Cincinnati-Baltimore both 3-1. and one. Yeah. I don't know what you thought of that. Yeah. Cincinnati surprised me. That's Baltimore, the one division to me that I think looks is upside always down. a, a toss-up. Yeah. Toss well, I think if, if, if you have Pittsburgh where people expect Pittsburgh to be. Well, yeah. It's just that they've – it's funny. You'd think if, if, if without Bell, well, they probably can't run the ball and – you know, whatever. Yeah. No, they're probably, they're running the ball fine. They're choosing not to run it very much, which is curious. But Big Ben had what five turnovers, which in is week pissing one? me off because I have James Conner. <laughs> I want him to get some yards. Uh, well, that jumps me into surprisingly bad. So surprisingly bad right now for me. AFC North Pitt is tied with Cleveland. Yeah. Um, Atlanta is last in the NFC South. Give yeah, it some heartbreakers too. Yeah. Um, the AFC South. Who was it? Uh, oh. Indy and Houston, of course, Houston. Yeah, the two one-win clubs. Yeah, and I mean Houston, we're we're I mean Houston, we're really a bad play away from being zero and four. Oh yeah, if Indy if Indy doesn't decide to go for it on fourth down in overtime in the shadow of their own end zone, we're not talking about that game-winning kick. I still don't know what was going through the minds yeah. of, of that of that offensive play calling squad. I mean, I guess, gosh, I mean. It, Luck was luck a, was out of his mind. I get it. You want to keep riding Luck's hot hand, but like, you're you're late in overtime. You're tied. What are you doing, giving them the football game? How much time was left? It's about it's like twenty something seconds, wasn't it? There was, I believe, it was less than two. Like, I, I, I want to say, I was watching it live. I want to say it was about a buck forty, a buck twenty, something like that, okay. left in the game. Enough where they're going to run the ball, eat some yeah. clock, and kick a field goal and win. If you don't yeah. do it, I thought I read something like they only twenty four seconds later they kicked a field goal to win the game. Yeah. And you might you might be right. I, um, I'll man, go, I'll go just, find that. Yeah, play that's by just play. crazy to me because you know it's 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 really it's a catch twenty two. Your your quarterback's looking good um, at this point in the season. You're one in two. You need to make a splash in the division. You need to make something happen. There's time running down. Are you really gonna play for the tie? You know, are you punting away saying that we're gonna take the tie? That's okay. Or do you say no? Let's. Like we're here to win football games. Let's try to win so, a football game. Here's a perfect example. I think it was, oh man, what game was it? They they converted multiple fourth downs. It was Tennessee marching back against Philly, I believe. Yeah, two fourth down conversions on the drive right. to get there. And so at the end, you're like, oh, was it Mike Vrabel, the new head coach there? Yep. Like, what yep. stones shows confidence in his guys? Then look, they must have just got a huge lift on the side. He believes in us. We're going to do this, and they go and win. Yeah, and if I think can, that's what they're looking for. If they convert for. a fourth down, then it's the exact same thing in Indy. It's just, you know, how we talk about it is not – and it reminds me of how you, you know, you lost the, the Grey Cup against Ottawa 
when everyone's second guessing a play call that you guys have been making like all year as yeah. much as whether you liked it or you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. It was something that was part of how you operated in certain down and distance. And everyone's like, you can't do that. And it's like, well, actually, you, you kind of were doing it all year. When it worked, no one was yelling at him. So all of a sudden, do you change who you are because the, it's a little bit of a brighter stage? Right. Uh, so I don't know. I just find like it's really easy for us to come in and crush coaches when – Look, yeah. playing to win the game is not the worst thing out there, is it? I think, I think as a coach, you're wanting to win over that locker room and, and inspire some confidence. I think that's the move you had to make. You know what I mean? I think you had to do it. Um, I mean, look at what everybody said about June for, for punting the ball mm-hmm. and not going for the field goal. You know, it's, everybody's going to question your decision when it doesn't work out the right way. Exactly. I and you're right. It was 24 and, seconds left. And okay. it's, yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. It, Process matters, but all we fixate on is results. Yeah. Right? Like, you can make a really bad decision and still get a first down, and you can have everything perfectly laid out, and it doesn't work. Yeah. That doesn't mean that, you know, it was a bad play call. It's, it's, to me, it's different if it's the end of the fourth quarter in that exact same situation, and you have a chance to go into overtime and still have a chance to go win the game that way. But right. at this point, it's, all right, listen, if we punt right now, the game, we end in a tie. Unless they do something miraculous to win the game, but if we punt, we get, we end in a tie. Is that worth it, or do we try to go win a game, go two and two, inspire some confidence in our guys, and beat a team in our division? I don't think you're thinking that. And and I know the way Dave would make this play call is based on the fact that do we know what they're going to do, uh, coverage wise? Are they just going to go cover zero? And do we have a play that we are very very confident mm-hmm. in? Because if you do, you're going for it. Now, the play they ran, the six-yard hitch, throw it into the guy's feet, I'm not sure what that was. I don't know if it was miscommunication or what happened there. But that didn't look like one of those kind of plays that, you know, mis- like misdirection type or a pick for a guy coming underneath that looked very confident in your fourth and four play calling right there. I was, I was confused by the play call, but I think as a coach, I think that was the right decision to go for that. Well, and it's funny because everybody inside the indie locker room was saying the same thing. We were totally on board with going for it. Nobody questioned it. I certainly questioned it while I was watching because you're basically – I questioned it mostly after the play call was like, so what exactly were you trying to do? So and maybe maybe they there was just some confusion and it wasn't executed properly, which goes back to to process versus execution. Whereas, so I had a little bit more trouble with that one than I did with June Jones against BC. Like I thought that was the right call to punt it through the end zone and give yourself. You've got the number one pass defense in the CFL. You're going to give a long field to Jonathan Jennings and the Lions with an eight point lead. That to me was the right call. Yep. I don't know if I loved going for it on four. I know playing for a tie, maybe that's just a, a little bit too conservative for some. But 24 seconds left where if you don't – see, it's less about playing for the tie and more about playing to make sure that you don't lose. And I know that you, you don't really want to be in that mindset. See, that's so hard to do. I know, I know, because <laughs> you, you want to play to win, right? That's what – but were you good? you're still in the shadow of your own end zone, right? So, okay, so you convert that play, and even if they – say they go for a 10-yard pass, to the middle and they get first down you're still at like your 27 28 yard line so it's not like you're in a situation where you've got this great spot to win you set them up for a gimme chip shot field goal and that's why I had a problem with it if that was a little closer to midfield and it would have been a little bit more of a difficult field goal for Houston to make then I might be more on on your line of thinking yeah but then again you know I'm I'm watching from the outside having never been a high-level football player where you're wired to want 
want to win. Like, that's what makes Andrew Luck. That's what makes these guys where they are because that's all that matters. You don't play to lose. You play to win. So it's easier for me. I'm, I'm fully aware it's easier for me to sit here from my observer standpoint and say, no, you shouldn't have done that when these guys are wired the way they are. Yeah, I mean, you, you, you put so much work into the week to try to come out there and win. And then I think as players, um, yeah, you're right, we're wired that way. I think I think that we would question the coach on the more conservative play call, whereas we're not going to question the aggressive, hey, I want to win play call. You know what I mean? If it's if it's the kind of thing that, you know, knocks you out of division, knocks you out of playoff race, it's different. It's early in the season right now, and I and what I see from a division standpoint is they're saying we need to – win a football game we got to create some confidence in these guys because right now we're not playing good enough football and if you're two and two you're a game back and you're you played tennessee mm-hmm. and jacksonville like who have they played out of that group they probably got four games left with those two teams I think. yeah so i i understand both sides for sure and yeah you're right it looked like an awful play call so yeah that, that's just, that's i agree with you i mean that's the thing that got to me was the play call i'm watching because when i saw him go for go for two or sorry go for the fourth down so you're like, on board with the fourth down decision, but not I was, so on board with the be, play call itself? But, yeah, but when I saw them go for it, I was like, okay, they they know what they're doing. I mean, I'm a Texans fan, so I'm watching it from a defensive standpoint. Like, yeah. all right, what did they have on us? Like, what are they going to run that they know they can get this? And then I see them, you know, snap the ball and throw it to the guy without thinking. And I was like, what was that? That doesn't look like the kind of play call where it's like where Dave would have came to me on fourth and four and been like, hey. Right. You know they're going to be in. They're going to be in this coverage. This is what we're going to do. This is what I'm thinking. If it's not there, find something. But this is what I think it's going to be. Yep. You know, and you get out there and you see it, and you're like, okay, it is that coverage. Drop back. All right, just complete the pass. You know what I mean? But not. Hey, it's either going to be a fade or a back shoulder throw, uh, and he's going to run it at six yards, and you're going to throw it at his feet. I mean, it was. <laughs> it, it was That's hard. not how that was drawn up. Yeah, it was hard to watch, man. Yeah. I, I I just wonder if something happened on the other side. That was his get out of jail. If something happened on the other side, like a pick was supposed to happen and it didn't happen, maybe the running back got you know his feet run into or something, and Andrew was reacting and trying to get back to the other side. But I'm gonna go back and watch that play on film and see how much of him have you seen this year, or was that Luck, it? That was the seen. first one. Yeah, yeah. Because there were a lot of questions earlier, and I know they'd gone to their backup for a hail mary earlier in the year at the half or something like that, and there, there was just sort of some questions lingering, as you'd expect when a guy hasn't played for well over a year, but. Apparently look legit. Yeah, I mean he's he's looking like the real deal again. I mean we all know who Andrew Luck is as far as uh, competitor, but um, when you're coming off a serious serious injury, where what got me is when I saw him in the interview um, before it was the week one game when he said I didn't think I was ever going to play football again. Oh my god! So when I see him say that, I was like, man, that's it was serious. Like that guy wasn't able to pick his arm up. You know, I mean. And then for him to come out, I don't get the admitting what he did. Yeah. <laughs> that confused me. Like, um, you know, just coming out and saying, yeah, I got in a snowboarding accident. You're usually not supposed to say those things. No. Yeah. They usually uh, tear up your contract and say, see you later. I believe we have a clause in this that says yeah. you can't do that. Yeah. You can't hurt yourself doing these things. You know, I mean, and maybe that was the cult saying, hey, we want you to come out and say that you did it. You know that it's not our staff, and we didn't do bad surgery and all this and that, sure, yeah. and question our, you know, that's fair, our organization. Uh, or we 
don't say it and we'll happily deal with this contract. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's give and take there, right? Yeah, that's true. I was just stunned that was the first time he'd ever thrown for more than 400 in a game. That was That's that, pretty surprising to me. Cuz he's been a pretty prolific quarterback and before the injury we kind of got used to him spreading the ball around. So when I when I heard them say that, I was like, "Geez, that's the first time he's thrown for over 400." Yeah, cuz I feel like him and TY had some pretty big games, yeah, like, like 200-ish. Yeah. yeah. There was some pretty big games between those two. Some other guy got over 400 for the first time this year. What was his name? Yeah. In his uh, oh, yeah. in his throw for broke game as well. Yeah, oh, that's, that's had to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most show. It's all right. Rude to miss that. Two games later, we go for more than that, so that felt good. Yeah, that was it was a, right. it was a loss though. That's yeah. right. <laughs> we do our uh, power rankings every Tuesday. We're gonna do ours at five, uh, 4:45 today, where we do top five and. L.A., Kansas City, clearly cemented as the only two undefeated teams in either conference uh, and both looking really good, albeit one a little more dynamic on one side than the other and the other really well balanced. After that, it's real tough. Man, that is tough. Because, you know, you got to respect some of these clubs that are 3-1, and one, but some of them shouldn't be 3-1. and one. Like New Orleans has no business being 3-1 and one with Cleveland missing two kicks and two extra points against them, right? Yeah. And then they need to pull a rabbit out of the hat against, what was it, Atlanta a couple Atlanta, weeks ago? that big game. And, like, Chicago has looked really meh at times, but they've found a way to get by. Uh, the only loss they had was that one where they were up 20 nothing on Green Bay and some – Interesting decision-making play-wise. Cincinnati and Baltimore both look solid. Miami looks like a joke despite them being 3-0 because they got pumped yesterday. It's not easy after 1-2. Yeah, let me see. I can go 1-2 there. Um, I mean, I'm probably still going to put New Orleans somewhere towards that 7-6-5 area. Um, See, I don't know if I agree with New Orleans doesn't have any business being 3-1. and one. They've looked really good the last two weeks. I know that against yeah, Cleveland. So, sorry, against the last two weeks. Uh, against yeah. Cleveland, yeah, they pulled one out of the hat, but they also came but back and won. But it wasn't even like they pulled a rabbit out of the hat, though. It was like if Cleveland doesn't give them that game, they can't win it. I agree, but the last two weeks, they've looked really good. Agreed. Uh, and it is a power ranking, so the whole idea, I think, is you skew to the present. Like right now today, they're in mind. And right, they're Power nice and high. Wise. But I'm just saying, like, if that's if they're number three or four, and they really should be two and two, that just tells you about the NFL, man. Yeah. Just when you think you know something. Like, well, and I mean, look at how good the Bills looked against the Vikings, and everybody's like, "Geez, they made the right call to go mm-hmm. to Josh Allen." Yeah. Josh Allen goes out against the Green Bay Packers team. That now, granted, I think that we've all maybe over. Uh, overhyped the Minnesota defense, but they go up against the Green Bay Packers, and Josh Allen looks like he's Nathan Peterman again. And no, that's maybe a little harsh, but no touchdowns and interception and doesn't look anywhere near as involved as he did the week before. So, Is there a team more disappointing than Minnesota right now? They are. the. If you're doing a power yeah, rankings of the most disappointing teams, they are and, leading the way and they're so a not, significant margin. They're not even close to dead. A win gets them back to 500, a 2-2-1. Two, two but just expectation, all the guys they locked up to big-time money, and, yeah, just... So well, you go out and you make your big quarterback. Yeah, you 100%. Get Kirk Cousins. Guaranteed money. Like, yeah. That's, yeah, they were like probably a Vegas favorite, one, two, or three, to win the Super Bowl. Are you doing your power rankings over there? Yeah. All right, so... Okay, let's, let's, get, let's get to them after the break. Cause we yes, break. Let's, okay. That'll be a good tease. All right. We'll get to the top five. We'll talk about this a little bit more right after a break. Um, we'll also talk some fantasy. Uh, again, text in, call in. If you have any questions, let us know. Uh, you've got the biggest guru sitting right here at this roundtable, so let me know. Uh, you're listening to The Bo Show on Sports at 960 Defend. Back to The Bo Show for SML Entertainment. One, two, three. 
on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, welcome back to this last segment. Let's talk out. Uh, we were going to talk top five. Uh, power ring is going to help. Going to help. Uh, up your boys up. We're doing yeah. ours at uh, 445. It's, it's just maybe some bold massage. Even, even when I look at it, I want to start changing it. There you go. That, see, I, I, you guys go through some tough stuff having to <laughs> do this voting thing. Uh, so I've got um, L.A. and Kansas City right there top tied one and two. Um I mean, that, right, even even those two for me are hard to separate. Who you choose one, who you choose two. Um, one plays defense a little better than the other. That's all. I'll say. Yeah. One's a little more balanced. Yeah. Uh, so I've got Jacksonville at three um, because I still think they have one of the top defenses. Um, the, I mean, the top two corners in the league. Uh, and if Blake Bortles is on, they, they're scoring some touchdowns. They're going to be a hard team to beat. Um, they're at three and one. I got Chicago at four, which is surprising. But I have Chicago at four. Um, I mean, just. Didn't expect what they did, you know. Was that mo- was that Monday night or no? That was that was Sunday. Sunday, yeah. yeah. Against Tampa Bay, forty-five yeah. points, six touchdowns from Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, six touchdowns. I mean, they're looking like a real team. They've got obviously a great defense. They add Cleo Mack. Um, I only Oof. see that team going up, and then that number five spot's tough. I've got Baltimore there. Wow. Um, which I don't love, but I Cincinnati mean, I- beat them. And I know that's not the be-all, end-all. Cincinnati, yeah, they're three and one though. But, but, yeah, so they're both three and one. Right. And Cincinnati's beat Baltimore. Yeah. And you have Baltimore and Cincinnati. I, I do. But, <laughs> okay. Because I hey, know you had a problem with oh, Jacksonville and Tennessee. Well, because ten, yeah, because so Tennessee. I'm just saying, this is how the league and works. And so that's where my honorable mentions are. Okay. I've got Tennessee at three and one, uh, but they beat Jacksonville. They beat Philly. Um, they beat Jacksonville nine six. You know, so it's not a, it's not like they steadily or sorry heavily beat Jacksonville, but. If I had a top ten, yeah, Jacksonville's probably right there at six. Uh is probably right there at six, seven. Um I mean that's tough. I mean if you start it's kinda like our league right now. There's so many teams at yeah. three and one that you know, you can't just go off just standings this early in the season. You gotta kinda go off yep. who's playing well and who's beating who. And it takes a little more time, right? You it gotta, does. You gotta everyone's got their own game script that doesn't work for them. Like when you talk about NFL games, it's like all of a sudden you get some weather or it's like there's the game that takes six hours in Miami in week one. Like every team's gonna have their yep. own obstacle like that at some yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that's that's where it's at. Like I don't I don't have Miami anywhere in there. Um can't. No, not after what I just not after saw. that loss, right? Yeah. You have New Orleans in there or no? Uh, no. Isn't that hard? I've got New Orleans. <laughs> and they've been unreal the last two weeks. Man, I know, but I think I know New Orleans. And I know something's going to happen here where they start losing a lot of close games. Now, they, if I'm correct, Pat, and correct me if I'm wrong, you'll know this, I believe they open up week five. No, it's Indy, Indy New England. And, uh, Indy, New England. And up on it Thursday. is uh, the New Orleans, is the, it's a chance where, he, what, all-time completions that Breeze can pass, and that's your Monday nighter. No, he already passed that. Did he? It was it completions or was it something else? I thought yeah. he was about to set a record. Uh, he 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 has completions now. He just passed Brett Favre. So it wouldn't be yardage though. Hmm. Okay. What would it be? I don't know. I'm yeah, gonna, maybe um, I'm crazy. But here it is. Right Skins here. and Saints would be a good one. That's your Monday nighter. So. Yes, Washington New Orleans is your Monday nighter, and the next record for Drew Brees, as I'm pulling this up, is uh, all-time passing yards. Uh, is no what's way. next. Um, now, he's still a ways away from that, but so. that would be... Is that Peyton? He's oh, no, he's only 201 yards away from becoming the NFL's all-time So there the it is, Monday night. Passer. Really? So that's what it is. Isn't yeah. that incredible? I mean, I believe it, though. I mean, he's every year he's over 5,000, isn't he? 
It's just insane. What's interesting in there is that there was a point in time where people thought he would never play in the league again. He came off major shoulder. Yeah, back in San Diego. Yeah, and that's when they had Rivers, Philip Rivers behind him. They let him sit for a year. He actually had a good year. They weren't really sure, were sure what they were going to get from Breeze. And they're like, well, we got this kid who we got all this money dedicated to, and he's massive. He's got a huge arm. And See, that, shot put. that wasn't such a bad decision. It wasn't a bad decision. The worst it's just decision. It's fascinating to think that they, like, this was a guy that at, very early in his career, people thought, well, he might be done. I think it was just uh, New Orleans and one other team that reached out for ages. It was the Miami Dolphins. Two that, teams. That was the yeah. bad decision. The Miami Dolphins. That's yeah. where that's where Breeze wanted to play, and they said, "No, we do not. We do not trust your shoulder, and yeah. we would rather have Dante Culpepper oh. than than yeah. Drew Breeze." So Drew Breeze went to New Orleans, which was his second choice at the time, if I remember correctly. And the Saints the really made a big push yeah. for him and said, "Look, we really want you, but." He he ended up going to New Orleans, ends up being the best thing for him. He's won a Super Bowl title mm-hmm. there. He's turned into the all-time passing leader in the NFL. And the Miami Dolphins decided to go with Dante Culpepper well, and haven't had a true number one quarterback during that entire time. I'll no offense s- to Ryan Tannehill, but they really haven't. I'll say this, though. The Dolphins have really perfected the art of going 7-9, and 8-8. No one's better for that job than Culpepper there. Breeze, they would have had too many wins. Well, I think, I think Culpepper like, barely played because he was get So they were worried about Drew yeah. Breeze and his durability, so and it was Culpepper who never played. Who was the guy that played? Pennington would have been there for a bit. Chad Pennington, Chad Pennington was there for a, while, um, for a long time. But the, that's, was man. he the generation before ours? Uh, uh, who, who was the guy that was starting in Arizona at the beginning of the year? Not Stafford. I was confused. Bradford. Sam yeah. Bradford, like yeah. just can't throw the ball more than fifteen yards for completion. Like <laughs> Chad Pennington, <laughs> like anemic but, offenses, but continues to get starting. But jobs. keeps getting paid. Oh my Chad God. Pennington won the NFL's comeback player of the year twice. <laughs> How is that possible? <laughs> so at that time, that is tough. They went. <laughs> so they went that year. So instead of going with. Drew Brees, they decided to go with Dante Culpepper, who only played four games that year uh, because he got hurt. So that year they went Culpepper, Joey Harrington, Cleo Lemon. Since that time, uh, Cleo Lemon has been their quarterback. They had Trent Green. They had John Beck. They've had Chad Henney. Um, they've had oh, Matt Moore. And since 2012, it's been Tannehill who's been their number one quarterback. My brother nicknamed his car Cleo because it was a lemon. It was always in the shop, and it was never <laughs> as good as anyone thought. Cleo Lemon with a great Argos career. <laughs> oh, man. All right, so good good story for you. So my, uh, my entire professional career, my wife has told me to learn to throw the ball left-handed. And I was like, why would I do that? She goes, because you could trick them. You could fake it right-handed, and you could throw it left-handed. And I was like, babe, that doesn't give me any competitive advantage. She was like, you can't tell me there's any time that throwing the ball left-handed wouldn't help you. And I said, there's one time. And it's when I'm rolling out to the left. There's a D-lineman right there that I need to stiff arm or get away from. And there's a guy five yards away from me that I could just toss in the ball to with my yeah, with the left hand. Lo and behold, who else does it besides Patrick Mahomes? Yep. Rolls out, throws the ball left-handed in the dying minutes, no less, for a first down on third down Incredible. with Vaughn Miller chasing him. Yep. The guy can do it all. Man. Was she watching or did you just, just – She was. I found out this morning, I, and I I can't say it on air, but, you know, I, I was like, babe. I called her on the way over here. I was like, babe. I was like, Patrick Mahomes threw a left-handed pass last night. She was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she was like, no effing way. <laughs> She was like, I told you. I told you. You don't let her get near that Pat Mahomes, all right? <laughs> oh, Sorry, honey. She said, she goes, I guarantee you it was his wife that told him to do it. No trips to Kansas City. <laughs> he all might right. be on her list. 
Uh, any any one two text to answer real quick before we? Um, this reads as a Miami Dolphins fan. Listening to that has just made me sad. Um, Bo, who's your <laughs> I feel for you. who's your AFC and NFC dark horse teams? And then I've got a trade I'll float at you in fantasy. And really quickly, I'll let you know that Breeze's backup in San Diego at the time was Rivers, who is still the man there. That's someone was asking. Oh yeah. man! All right, so AFC and NFC dark horse team. Um, all right. How about, I mean, can't, I don't know if I can call Tennessee a dark horse, but sure can. Yeah, I no mean, one thought they yeah, I know they're first. They're first in the division right now, but it's only because they're tied. Um, but I'll go with them because they look bleak right now. Uh, you don't know about Mariota's health. Everybody's mm-hmm. gonna start to write them off. But let me tell you why. Because Houston, and Indianapolis are not gonna make any kind of noise in this division it's the entire four wins year. Right there. Yeah, they're not gonna make any kind of noise. Jacksonville is gonna run away the division at some point. Um, but they beat two very solid football teams in Jacksonville, in Philadelphia. Um, I'm going to say that if other teams are beating up on each other, that Tennessee is one of those teams that might be able to sneak in a wild card spot. Uh, and then NFC, gosh, you almost have to call, <laughs> you almost have to call Philadelphia a dark horse third in their division right now. Um, I got two sneaky ones for it. And the two teams that were coming off by Carolina and Washington, no one's talking about. Yeah, I would say Washington's that dark horse right now. They're not blow you away with anything, but yet those are teams that you probably don't want to run into with some bad weather. Like Carolina can play some defense. Cam Newton just can make plays when you think you've got everything covered. Uh, The one thing I'm going to say with Washington is I do like the old savvy vet feel they have going on with their entire team. Um, It's just is is if Adrian Peterson can make it, if if he can do it all year. I'll take that as a dark horse team for sure. I think that's going to be a – I mean, and they're in a terrible division right now. You know, terrible. Dallas at 2 – not terrible. Dallas at 2-2, two and two, Philadelphia at 2-2, two and two, but um, Dallas finally looked decent. I don't know. I just I, – Philadelphia bothers me right now. <laughs> I can't believe they're 2-2, two and two, but if, if you have the Giants in your division, you've got, some couple, you've got a couple guaranteed wins. I'll tell you this, though. If you were the Philadelphia Eagles and you knew you'd be getting Wentz back in, what, week three, you'd probably take two and two through four and just say, let's get them going. Yeah. I still think they'll start. be fine. They'll be fine. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's the thing. is, I think once they start getting hot, that's that's a couple of losses for those teams right there. Um, yeah. Would you uh, – here's one on the text line. Would you trade uh, Leonard Fournette at this point? Now, here's his I specific I have him in two trade. leagues, so I can help you, yeah. Okay. So you're a Fournette owner. So this guy is a Fournette owner, also has Jay Ajayi, uh, Miller, and Cohen as his – so Lamar Miller and Tariq Cohen as his other running backs. Uh, he's got a deal on the table for Alshon Jeffrey and Shady McCoy. Would you trade Fournette for those two? I would say no. Right, I do not want anything to do with LaShawn McCoy right now because yeah, or that Al- offense Alshon is Alshon Jeffrey just so got terrible. hurt too, didn't he? He's coming back off injury. But, uh, but didn't he, he get hurt in that week? game? Yeah, yeah he, got, he, had, he had 100 yards. Because I have Nelson Aguilar, so I paid close attention to it. I know Alshon had 100 yards. Um, I like Alshon, but is that worth Leonard Fournette? I don't think so. And one thing you really have to pay attention to, because I'm I'm in the mindset right now of thinking about trading Leonard Fournette. Um, the thing you really have to be careful about is who you trade him to. You can't trade him to somebody that has two good backs already, and he then Leonard gets to sit on his bench for a while, and then he gets to be a playoff workhorse right. for him. You yeah. can't let that happen or else you're giving away your league. Uh, 
yeah, so I mean, you got to pay close attention who you're trading them to and what you're getting for them. That, that that specific trade right there, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I just don't want anything to do with. I want I'm a Shady McCoy owner in a couple leagues. I'm just like, no, I just can't put them in at this point. There, there are so many other, even guys who aren't full on feature backs that I think are better options than yeah. LaShawn McCoy, even though he is the number one running back in Buffalo. Because let's, let's turn that around. So you have LaShawn McCoy. So let's say you have Alshon Jeffrey as well. Would you trade that away from Leonard Fournette? Yeah, I'd be all over yeah, that every single day. The only circumstances, if you're off to such a bad start, you can't wait for him to get right. That's true. But if you're in good shape, you don't do that deal. That's Especially a des- that is a desperation league. move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that's the thing. I'm I'm in good shape in two of my leagues that I have Leonard Fournette, and uh, I'm just going to hold on to him on my bench and kind of wait. I've, I've, I handcuffed him in one league with TJ Yeldon, so that helps. Yeah, it does. So, sense. yeah, if I were you, I would, I would find a way to sneakily trade for TJ Yeldon and try to wait on Leonard Fournette's health. But I wouldn't give away a, a running back that plays for a running team, and um, when he comes back, he's going to be running the football a lot. I would uh, try some, to get that guy's backup. Last one on there, someone's asking about Joe Mixon. There's been a lot of smoke suggesting he'll be back this week. Nothing firm yet. He's listed as questionable. So just keep stay tuned later in the week. <laughs> yeah. It's your Joe Mixon update, boys. I thought someone was going to ask me about it. I was like, <laughs> I do not play for Cincinnati. So I'll, <laughs> I'll text, text I'll text, Joe right now. I'll text Andy Dalton and ask him, but uh, I highly doubt he tells me what's going on. <laughs> All right, guys, appreciate y'all. I'll see y'all next week. Uh, see y'all Montreal Monday, Thanksgiving. That's Ta- right. So then Tuesday, Bow Show or Wednesday, Bow Show? Um, no, we'll be back. All right, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll be back. So that's fun. Tuesday. We'll be here Tuesday for the Bow Show. Top titty, hell yeah.